Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, we are going to talk about that overtime thriller with the one and only Sean Salisbury. He joins us from Houston, Texas. Sean, let me first of all welcome you and then give you my take. A lot of people are talking today about a lot of the players on the 49ers didn't know the overtime rules. That doesn't mean a damn thing. It wouldn't have changed the way they played. All right. So I, I don't I find that a little hard to believe. But again, that didn't dictate what happened at overtime. Personally, I would have deferred in that situation. But again, I don't think that's why San Francisco lost the game. Sean, San Francisco lost the game because they missed an extra point, which changed everything. And they misplayed a punt, which resulted in a Kansas City touchdown. To me, that's why they lost the game. Rich Grant, it's like you and I were on the same radio show this morning on my show because I listen. Not first of all, let, let me just get rid of this. That isn't the reason they lost. You give Mahomes too many chances and you can't get a stop then because their defense was brilliant for the majority of the game. They really were. Both defense. I mean, those three, three, three straight three and outs that Kansas City's defense issued to San Francisco. What a hidden gem of the game, right? It's like Kyle got out of his comfort zone, which he's done way too much in big moments of doing what they do, even though they still ran at 31. They had 70 offensive plays like they were in college, but still couldn't, you know, you kick three field goals, you miss an extra point and how that thing worked out the way it did. It's about six or eight plays that changed it, but you, you make a great point. That wasn't the reason they lost. Now, right. You would have looked, you may have after the coin toss, unlike the opening part, because the 49ers come out of the shoot in a regular game, they score about almost 60% of the time on opening drive. So I get that. Yep. But them not knowing the rules. And I think a lot of us get caught up in the Super Bowl hype and the party. We're just, I wasn't even thinking about it until after the coin toss. I'm thinking the rules have changed. Mm-hmm. But you didn't, you, I'm just shocked that players and the coaching staff, that if they didn't know it, why? Okay. The, even before you run out there, hey, remember, if we get this toss, defer or what have you, rules have changed, guys. Even if we score a touchdown, they still get a chance to match yep. the first time, unlike the regular season. So it's not the reason they lost. The reason they lost is they hit a couple extra plays down a stretch. You're right. A blocked extra point. And the field goal kicker was brilliant. It was yep. just that one. And yep. then you can't muff a punt and you give Mahomes the ball in the red zone. What, a play or two later? Throw a touchdown pass. Next play. And you still, yeah, yeah, it was, it's right. It was the very next play. So you get beat by a guy who lives in January and lives for those moments. And Purdy for three quarters was the better quarterback in the game. No question. And then, I mean, not a, he's not a better player, but, and then Mahomes clicks in and you can't, you cannot give him that many opportunities. He's going to get you. And San Francisco just doesn't have a flair for the closing ability. They're a great setup team, but they just can't quite close, which bummed me out because I couldn't have rooted any harder. I love Andy Reid, and he's a legend, but I couldn't have rooted. And I know we have fatigue, but they're that good, and fatigue, goodness creates fatigue. I couldn't have rooted any harder for, for Brock Purdy and for those guys to win just for all yep. the nonsense they're going to have to hear all offseason. Sean, I don't think enough was made of this. I thought the injury to Dre Greenlaw really changed the game in favor of Kansas City. Highly underrated. Well, maybe it's not underrated. I'm with you. And how miserable that poor guy must be. Oh, my God. Going in there. I mean, he's one of the better players in the league. And his ability to run. Yes. He he is one of the – matter of fact, going in, he may have been – if he wasn't first, he wasn't third, about keys to that defense Mm -hmm. and taking away certain parts of it because he is an explosive talent and he's really gifted. And to run out there on the field with that enthusiasm, and he was playing the first couple series, he was, it was all over the place. And then to have that happen, 
I, I can't imagine what his off season is going to be like. All that work you put in. Oh my gosh. If you're going to get hurt in the field of play, we all know that happens, and and you can accept it. It's hard to accept running on the field to come out for another series. He might not even be on a team next year. He's a free agent. I mean, right. that may be it for him. Blow out your Achilles, and you didn't even and, and you weren't. It wasn't during the the, the time of play. Terrible. What what a horrible. I, I felt horrible for him. But losing him was be the equivalent of losing like a Debo Samuel on the offensive side of the ball. What the Kansas City Chiefs defense did in this postseason is remarkable to me because I didn't see that defense during the regular season. And yesterday, they completely took George Kittle out of the game. That was amazing to me. Yeah, Grant, interesting thing. This is the worst offensive talent personnel wise that the chiefs have had since Mahomes has been there and worst, isn't it? They're the Super Bowl champions. Should I say it? <laughs> so calling right. them the worst they've had, it doesn't really seem right. fair, but it's the least talented offensive unit they've had. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And yep. the most gifted defense that they've had, their back end is fantastic. Oh. And wow. Chris Jones is a game record. You know, I mean, they, they are really, they're the reason Kansas City got to the playoffs. Yes. They are the reason without no matter I don't care if that alien talent Mahomes if the Chiefs play average if they're average all year long we don't get to see Mahomes in the playoffs this year. They would not have made the playoffs I don't think. It would have been close an early out. But what happened was they played their ass off during the season and then come postseason they hung in there and, and played great and then Mahomes offense stepped up. They, they, they stepped up during the postseason and looked more like the Kansas City Chiefs offense we're used to seeing. So best defense he's ever been on since he's been there the last seven years and six as a starter. And then offensively, it just goes to show you, Grant, you and I have talked about it. What's one of the number one or two trait you have to have? A quarterback that elevates the room. It didn't matter. Mahomes didn't care if it was Rice. He didn't care if it was Valdez Scantling. He made them better players in clutch moments because you know what they all think? He's going to rise up in January and February, so trust him. And it showed by performance by Hardman doing his thing on that sprint right yep. flat for the score. And But their defense, and they will oh never get the credit because Andy's on that squad and so is Mahomes. I'm going to tell you, the wow. defense is the reason the Kansas City Chiefs got to where they were, and then Mahomes just did what he normally does, and that's beat you in the postseason. You know, maybe their biggest series was right after the Mahomes interception where San Francisco was almost in field goal range. And they actually lost yards. Part of yep. that was a five-yard penalty. But that was, to me, as big as any stop during the course of a game because the Niners could have gone up by two possessions there and the Chiefs just shut them down and forced a punt. That's such a great uh, a great point, Grant. Think about the quick, we, we, you know, the quick change turnover. Mm-hmm. Kansas City makes the – and it was an awful throw by Mahomes, but it didn't affect Terrible. him. He, it was it, well, a bad decision, but it didn't affect him the rest of the way. It's like, okay, I, I know I'm not going to make that throw again. But the – the uh, Niners couldn't go in and score a touchdown on the quick change turnover on special teams. The Chiefs did. So you think about the missed extra point and that that's eight points difference in a game right there. You lose by and then the obvious uh, and the overtime stuff. But they while field goals are nice. Guess what you can't do? You, you can't kick three field goals against Mahomes and, and change no. field goal for t- and, and expect you're going to win a lot of times, even though. I, I held the Moody could have been the MVP of the, of the game had the 49ers a one and he had to kick another field goal. Cause he was bombing them from long range, but yep. you can't miss those. And real, real quick, real quick rant about that. I, uh, 
the can the Kansas City Chiefs and the way Mahomes, even when it looks for a minute there, I thought the Kansas City Chiefs were going to get run for a while when it started out ten, and I thought the defense looks too good for San Francisco. They look off, and for him to shift the narrative during the game, I, I was really impressed with uh, just another level of Mahomes. Even when he's not at his best, he always does something to take it to another level. And Andy has them in such great control. They're not done winning Super Bowls. It just gets tougher every year because there's so many good quarterbacks in the AFC. And what a finish by Mahomes again, man. We all need that DNA. I want to pick your brain on this. And I don't know if you saw it. It would have been on at noon your time about the old NFL today with Brent Musburger and Phyllis and Jimmy the Greek. I thought it was one of the best hours of TV that I've seen in a long time. Yep, I agree. But you you know what that's like because for many years you were in that scene at ESPN and you worked with John Clayton and and Tom Jackson and Chris Berman a lot and you were always interacting on studio shows so you have a very good idea about the pressure and the stress and everything that goes with putting on a show like that again I don't know if you watched that show yesterday but it was phenomenal. But people that watch these shows think it's so easy. They don't understand about the inner workings, and you do. It's not a picnic all yeah, the time. Yeah, and, and I would, I could make the argument. Now, you love the shows that you grew up with. We all do, right? Yeah. People, people know the Howie Long stuff, and now it's like, well, Howie's been there, same haircut, same look, doing great work for 25 <laughs> years, right? Right. And now we've got the new, the new you know, we're, we're – you know, Nate Burleson, who's done a great job bringing that energy to CBS and, you know, the old school, new school mix. But when I grew up, it was Phyllis George and Irv Cross and Jimmy the right. Greek and Brent Musburger. And I can just tell you in live TV, live TV doesn't mean you're two seconds late getting to break or to a highlight. Live TV means you got to hit your brakes on time. We don't, you yep. don't get to, to fix it. And I know they do that now too, but we didn't, they didn't have all the bells and whistles they got now to get them in and all the graphics. And they were, it was, it was, you know, kind of finding out about yourself and how good you are on the run. It was the best pregame show ever, in my yep. opinion. Yep. It was I the agree. original. And ever. to me, and I think that even you heard Jim Nance talk about it. I think the James Browns, Jim Nance is those guys who are that traffic cop that sit there and get make sure they're getting in and out. And they're Ernie Supermen. Johnson, they're oh, Supermen. are they ever? Because yep. the guy's talking, all have egos. They all want to talk over the other guy. And you, James Brown, who's brilliant at it, they all recognize how brilliant Brett Musburger was. And Musburger does belong in the Hall of Fame. Yes. As a football guy, as yes. a voice, you are looking live. That's how you yep. started every Sunday. Yep. And he'd throw out to Irv Cross here and this person there. And it was a brilliant mix. That was a Hall of Fame show. And they are brutally difficult because you're coming and going and in and out of it, thrown out to the stadium. Come back. Let's get what this guy says. Jimmy Greek's up on the board and the yep. pro, you know, the check marks that they had. I friggin' love it. And I think Brent Musburger, I got him listed. He's he's to me, he's such a legend. He's an icon. I, I I'm a huge fan. Brent was, and what yep. people don't know, and Ryan's saying it now, Brent Musburger was it. Maybe aside from the TV executive, like who's the who started the uh, Monday Night Football? Rune Arledge, right? Yeah, Rune Arledge at right. ABC. Aside from Rune Arledge and yep. maybe one or two more, Brent Musburger may have been the most powerful man yep. in football. Uh, period. He was Mr. CBS. You're I mean, damn he right was Mr. He was. CBS. Yes, you know, he was. I, I know my. He friend, would be making twenty million, twenty-five million bucks oh, yeah. a year if he was in his prime now with what he was doing then. That's I've, how talked good Mike, he was. I've talked to Mike Francesa about what that show was like. He was one of the producers. But think about that show. 
They incorporated basically the first female broadcaster ever in Phyllis George, the first African-American on a national stage like that in Irv Cross. And, you know, gambling talk was taboo back then. And they went right to Jimmy the Greek. That show and what was so far ahead of their time that it, it, when you look back on it, you, you, you were like, wow, you know, what insight they had. And Grant, you, I'm so glad you brought this up. You know how we're always trying to, you know, I love our chemistry. On those shows, you're trying to create chemistry. It's guys from all different walks, like you said, whether it's Irv Cross, who was African-American, the taboo part of gambling, which was, that's an, what is Jimmy the Greek doing here? Brent Musburger with his, but traffic, and then Phyllis George, who was so good at it. And she, I mean, they, a female, all those things that people are saying, look at the pioneers now. Hell no, they were pioneers first. I mean, they, with Irv Cross and with Phyllis George, I, listen, man, it was, to me, the chemistry on that show was epic. And even when they amazing. disagreed, it was, and Jimmy the Greek, could you couldn't tell, Jimmy the Greek hit it and he had a good sense of humor and Musburger knew it all. And for those who didn't get a chance to watch Brent early in his career when he was doing that, then started calling games. If you ever needed to know if a kick mattered, I assure you, <laughs> Brent made sure that you knew. I, I friggin' I, love Brent Musburger and always the best. Yep. The best. All right, I want to get back to the game. You got Kyle Shanahan now, offensive coordinator in Atlanta, up 28-3 lost. Double-digit lead in his first Super Bowl when the Niners lost to the Chiefs. Double-digit double digit lead yesterday. Like and he's the head coach, and I get it. Can you fault the way he coached the game yesterday in any way? Anything stick out to you? I thought that he went away from, even though they had 31 rushes in the game, and you know, Grant, I'm big on attempts. Yes, I yes, am. You I are. love attempts, but Mahomes kind of ruins everything for everybody on the opposing team just because he's a different breed, and Andy Reid's a brilliant player. The two best play callers maybe in the NFL – and McVay's pretty good. We're, we're, we're on stage last night for different, you know, Andy and, and, good point. and Kyle. They really were. And Kyle's unfortunate. He's drawn Brady and Mahomes twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what's next? Montana going to come back in his prime and beat him too? I mean, let's, let's face like facts. in the NBA finals against Michael Jordan. You're not going right. to win. And then, and then you, oh, we're going to get a day off. I have to play Larry Bird. Oh, okay, great. You're screwed. So that that's one thing. I thought, I think at times, Grant, and you know, pressure, I'm not saying he choked. I, mean, I, I don't, I, I do think guys do, but I think what happens is at times you can get a little too cute. Grant, you've seen, we see it at all levels. Guys, yeah. oh man, I'm going to do this. And you get, you get a little too cute. I loved the way he went about the game, the double pass. And the way I thought his game plan going at that Kyle's on tonight, right? Yeah. But I think there was a part in the middle of the game that gets hidden and maybe late that he got away from what they do great. I can't yeah. in three and three in in, in in three three and outs run the ball once or twice, right? Now think about last last Super Bowl he was in. Running the ball. Guess what they did? They threw it eleven times in the fourth quarter with a lead, and yeah. Jimmy was three of eleven. Yep. They dropped back to pass. You remember Matt Ryan taking that sack and laying the ball on the ground when he was a coordinator yeah. with a twenty-eight three and they blew it. I'm listen. He doesn't have the ball in his hand, and Kyle is a great play caller. When I hear people say you got to get rid of him, would you just stop it? That's how people think. Guy's been to three straight NFC championship games, but here's the thing. I do believe you should evaluate it. I do believe you got to look and say why I'm not looking for the fact that he, I need to know why we keep getting to this situation with double digit leads and can't hold them. I think that's Kyle needs to look in the mirror. The football team needs to, because what are we saying about the quarterbacks? We say it about Allen. We say it about Prescott. Yeah. We said it about quarterbacks in the past. So if we're going to give you all the money and the compliments when things are going good, 
and we're going to tell the quarterback, well, you're a January guy, you can't get to February, then shouldn't we be saying that? But the difference is Kyle's been to February three times now, so he knows how to get you there, but something, there's a disconnect. I thought a little bit in the game. I didn't think it was a – I thought he called a good game, but I would have gone down. The oar in my hand would have been McCaffrey. I would have have touched the ball even more. I think think it disappeared a little bit. I would have liked to see him. Plus, you know what that does, Grant? Even if you go three and out running the ball, and I'm a quarterback, I'm greedy, I want to throw it, is that clock keeps ticking. Yeah. And you don't give Mahomes that extra time or two. And, hell, we wouldn't even be talking if they kicked the extra point because the game would have ended up 20 to 19. Crazy stuff, man. I wish you were in the booth instead of Tony Romo. And I, listen, I know Tony's a great guy. So do guy. I. <laughs> I've interviewed. I know. Yeah, you'd be making a million bucks a game. He he just wears on me, Sean. And I I for me, and again, I'm only speaking for me. It's very subjective. A lot of people love him. A lot of people don't. He's just too much for me, Sean. He's just too much. At I'll tell you what it is. It's overbearing. It's oh, thank if you. I, it, it's overbearing. A bit, and when he first got in, we love the, and listen, I, I love Tony. I do. I do too. But I, I, listen, I, I can just, we can talk about it however you want. Tony lost fastball. For some reason, he either got to the point where he took it for granted. He became a star. And I knew he was preparing. Now you put him and Greg Olson next to each other. And right now it, it's not, it's not close. Olson's because he teaches and Tony used to teach. Now Tony gets caught up into the inside jokes with Jim and terrible. And, and I, I don't mind a little singing and how you need to have fun, but Tony's gotten to the point. I almost feel like he wants to be bigger than the game. And when you get to that point, I prefer understated with energy and passion as opposed to overstated with you figure you can cover all that where you can take the, the chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad. But when it's chicken shit, it's still chicken shit. It can, I'm not yeah. saying Tony. I'm talking about when you're not bringing out the best. We asked the players to bring out the best. Tony was so good early on at preparing. And I'm not even talking about the prediction of the of the play. I'm just talking about the grind of telling me what happened in the secondary. Teach me. And he was great at it. And I don't know what happened, but I, I think he got a little bit better the the, the AFC championship game. But I almost feel like Tony, he gets so much energy that he doesn't let it breathe. And Nance does. And they're buddies. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, I, it, it feels I, it feels too crowded with just two men. And that's because Tony, and he interrupts Jim in the middle of a, a He's hurt Nance. He, yeah, he is hurt he Nance. Is. Nance is not as good as a play-by-play announcer that's, since he's been with Tony. It's hurt Nance. There's no question about that's it. That's exactly right. So I think that Tony should be getting better. I don't think he has, Grant, for whatever reason. And that's not mean. It's not personal. It's just me Listen, Forget the guy. I'm just listening to the broadcast and watching. I can tell you this. If he's making $18 million a year, then Greg Olson should be making 30 as we speak. Yep. I could save CBS a lot of money because I would call them up and go, hey, my buddy Sean said he'll do it for hundred k a game, okay? And you can save you millions of dollars. Matter of fact, I'll give him I'll go one better. If they'll pay, you know, they pay for the flights. If they'll just... Give me one season to call them. You don't even have to pay me the first season, although I wouldn't <laughs> tell them that. Um, and if I don't come out with let it breathe and teaching better, then because yeah. Tony knows football and he's an enthusiastic guy. I just need him to get back to toning it down. I want his energy, but I also want his energy at times. You don't need to talk in between every play. Yeah. Sometimes just let it go. There was only one John Madden, and there will only going to be one oh, John boy. Madden. But I think Tony needs to take a step back and reevaluate gives yep. energy. You can make great points without having to talk over the broadcast. Jim needs to take him aside as his buddy and give him some tough love because Tony does know football. 
but he's not teaching me like he used to. And yes, I'd do it for a for a hundred grand a game in six ways to Sunday. Matter of fact, I'll walk to the site and just I'll walk to I'll leave on Mondays, get there by Sunday, we'll be good to go. There you go. I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna put you in the general manager seat of the Chicago Bears, assuming that you've decided that you don't want to move forward with Justin Fields. Who's the quarterback you're taking coming up in the draft? Who's your number Grant, one guy? Grant, at this time, this is the time right now where I start to watch all the – read it all and start to watch tape of the top six or seven. Like I, I usually choose five games a year of those guys and break them down. And I'm getting, I'm about to get started now that the Super Bowl's over. But I can tell you this. I think Caleb Williams is a great playmaker. But there's things that tell me – I'm seeing too much. I'm just talking about – that tell me that he'll be great winning eight or nine games a year or seven. I need somebody. I don't know if he's going to grab the room by the throat without a football in his hand. Does that make sense to you? Uh, absolutely. Then I don't want him. I'm going a different I, direction. If I, I, and I think, listen, Grant, he's going to come in. He's going to make some plays like you saw in college. People are going to trip out. They're going to say, what a play. Yep. Can he consistently make the simple play? And can he elevate everybody? And is there a trust factor that when he walks in, everybody wants to be around Caleb Williams? Or when everybody's wearing green, does he have to wear a brown shirt? When everybody's wearing blue cleats, does he have to wear green ones? And this has come from an SC guy who thinks he's so gifted. But gifts take you so far. And then the intangible part and leadership and maximizing the building. If you ask me this question three months ago, I'm giving you an unequivocal. He is, And he is going to be the first pick of the draft. Just depends on where. Yep. I'm to the point now, just from this, and I'm going to go. I know what his X's and O's are going to bring. I can't fix the other part of it. I feel like there's something, there's a disconnect between him and the room. Does that make sense? And Ryan maybe it's Leaf, not fair. Uh, Ryan Leaf like? Yeah, yeah. And But I even think. No, wait, did you say, are you, are we not, when you say that, I'm thinking Ryan Leaf. Can you give yeah, me an example? I, I, think of that, else? I think the disconnect may be the, the, the disconnect of, I don't have to. I don't have to do what everybody else is doing because I'm better than everybody else. Does that make sense? And I'm sure he'll work. But so Grant, you're, the word the word is entitlement. Maybe, maybe that's entitlement. Um, I and I know that winning's everything, but as long as I'm kicking ass, I can come. You know that I'm okay with it. I don't want that. I want a guy that when you're playing miserable, you still find a way to win. And I want a guy that. Yeah. If you win and you played miserable, you can still be okay and, and rally around. And maybe I'm way off. Okay. Three months ago, I would have said, if you don't take Caleb Williams, you're an idiot. Two months yep. ago. But there's hints of stuff that bug me about any – I'm a big locker room guy, and I think those things matter. I'm going to tell you right now, I would trade him away for eight picks, and I would keep Justin Fields. He's shown me enough potential that with the right coach, I think Justin Fields – and if not Justin Fields – I'm still looking into Drake May. I'm still looking into um, Jaden Daniels as well. As far as the physical skill set, there's nothing Caleb Williams can't do. Right. Special is, do you do what Mahomes did? Can you do what Burrow's done? When you elevate, when people just know that you got their back. Can you I do what C.J. Stroud did? Yep. And, and I may be way off. That's exactly right. I may be way off on this, Grant. I'll say on this part of it. You know how 10 or 12 or 15 of the fellas will go out after a game and have a beer and get something yep. to eat? Yep. Or a training camp. Yep. My question is, when they're all going to one place, will he just kind of go off by himself somewhere else? Now, That's I know people I, say that I doesn't know. matter. I, know. I, I think it matters. Position, oh, it, it matters. It, it matters, matters to me. I've sure. watched the greats McMahon and Warren yep. Moon. Great yep. ones do it. 
it's not like you have to go out and drink all the time, but I think players want to know that you're one of them. Maybe that's the way to describe it. I'm not sure the rest of the team feels like he's one of them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I can't put my full finger on it. I hope I'm wrong. But right today, I'm not secure enough in knowing that he is going to dominate the building with the, the way he goes about his business. On the field, he'll be spectacular. I'm not so sure he'll get buy-in from every player on that team. And I can't win Super Bowls without buy-in. I just can't. So right now, I'm not sure I'm taking him first if I'm the Bears. Let me tell you something. If I'm going out with the fellas, that includes Jim McMahon, and Jim then decides he's not going, I'm not going either. It's not well, worth my time, okay? Yeah, yeah. If, and if Jim's not going, the world right. ended, okay? That I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened where Mac either, either Mac decided that, you know what, he's flying to Mars, or Mac decided that, that if Mac doesn't go, it ain't a party. And if, Mac, and if Mac's there, your ass wants to be there. And I got news for you, being in the locker room with him, <laughs> players would like, well, Jimmy Mack's going, oh, okay, if it's Jimmy Mack, wives letting him go because just hanging around Mack with a cold <laughs> beer, even if you did anything wrong. If Mack's going, you want to go. If he's not, stay your ass home. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> hey, you're the best, buddy. Thank I, you very much. I, I love you, my man. I'm passionate about that. that uh, you and I are going to talk a lot about this first pick in Caleb Williams, yeah. and I always root for success, but I also root for a guy that demands respect in the building without having to demand it. And I got to see that in him still. I do. You're, you're the best, buddy. Love Appreciate you, buddy. You, brother. Thank. Love you too. Thanks. All right. I'll tell you right now, it really doesn't get much better than uh, Sean Salisbury. That's a tough. Hey, folks. I want to talk to you about Zbiotics. Let's face it. After a night with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. I got to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. That is until I found Zbiotics. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. And again, I was a bit on the fence about Zbiotics initially, but then I was at a birthday party. Uh, my buddy and his wife had rented out a restaurant, and I had a couple of drinks, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot tonight. And you know what, folks? Believe me, it is the real deal. Vacations, weddings, birthdays, reunions. Hey, there's so much going on, right? Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Go to zbiotics.com slash grant to get 15% off your first order when you use grant at checkout. Zbiotics is back with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, go to zbiotics.com slash grant. Use the code grant at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Act to follow, Ryan, in Sacktown. That is a tough act to follow, my friend. Grant, what a freaking interesting conversation with you and Sean. I mean, there's comments about Caleb. I mean, he was yeah. screaming Caleb's praises, and Caleb went through it with some yeah. of the sideline stuff. But the way he was able to articulate that, that's a point of view you won't get anywhere else. All right, so we go back to the game yesterday, and I thought the Chiefs' defensive stop after the Mahomes interception was absolutely critical. But we talk about the little things in a big game. The missed extra point 
changed everything around in that second half. It changed field position. It changed the way you play call because you only needed a field goal instead of a touchdown. It, it, it affected the entire game from that point forward. Grant, do you remember as a kid, like growing up and you'd be coming around the corner and somebody jumps out of you and goes, boo, right? Yep. That's what it felt like yesterday when that extra point did not go in because you realize Patrick Mahomes has the football and is within one possession. So that that just how does that not take this wind out of your sails? It did. And it, it again, it's amazing how almost every single series, as far as the Chiefs were concerned from that point forward, it altered what they needed to do and what they didn't have to do. And so. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing. Listen, I thought I thought the first half was t was kind of boring and lackluster. Sloppy. The game really picked up in the fourth quarter, and then obviously overtime in a Super Bowl doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I think everybody was a little bit confused at the overtime rules, even some of the players apparently. But um, it was a great second half. It was yep. a fun second half. It was exactly what we thought a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl could be with the talent that was on that field. I just think what it came down to, Grant, the Chiefs played so many more close games this year than the 49ers. And you give a team like that or Patrick Mahomes a ticket to the dance, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Listen, I'm older than you. Uh, we're different generations, but I thought the halftime was terrible. I, I thought it was one of the worst wow. halftimes that I've seen in, in ever. I've watched them all. To me, that's one of the worst. You disagree? I completely disagree. Uh, I thought I, it was horrible. I, and everybody I, I, I was watching the game with thought it was horrible too. I, I thought it was actually one of the more uh, entertaining Super Bowl oh, wow. shows that over, over delivered in wow. a Super Bowl show that you expected little from. Interesting. Um, I, I thought it came off really well considering Usher's last hit was help me out, Grant. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you anything, but I would just, I thought it was horrible. I thought, you know, when you look at halftime performances, I thought Prince was one of the best ever. Uh, I was at the Super Bowl when Madonna was there and that was a phenomenal uh, uh, halftime. You know, you know, Prince stands out, you know, Michael Jackson obviously was unbelievable. Uh, but for yesterday, I, I thought it was horrible. I thought it was absolutely terrible. Uh, we got a lot of people. I, well, Sea Dog said it was horrible, Grant. Tony says, agree, it was bad. Um, you know, again, I'd love to get your reaction since people do like yeah. to talk about the halftime, whether it's a yay or an A, good or a bad, same thing. But I thought it was awful. I, I, I couldn't even barely watch it. Well, Napes, I think you got to reframe to the halftime show. You're never going to get, or in my opinion, you're not going to get your might. Well, obviously not Michael Jackson, but the big name people to do it. What's the point? It, it's a ton of extra stuff for them on a really well, I busy disagree. Week. I think the big people it, would jump out. I don't, I don't think there's very many artists in the world that would turn down the Super Bowl. I don't think the one, the biggest artists that we think about, they don't need to do the Super Bowl. They have social media. They, they have bigger platforms no, or platforms just as I disagree big. with you. I disagree. It's ego. There's no, it's, it's, it's the largest audience annually in the United States. And there's not anything even close to it, including social media. So I disagree with you. I think artists would, would uh, well, I'm sure maybe there has been an example of someone turning it down. I would believe that very few would turn it down. Well, then why did Usher have to pull out Jermaine Dupree? And I know I'm throwing out names that a lot of people are probably not 100% on, but Jermaine Dupree, he hasn't done a lot in music in the last 20 years. I mean, you would think all those big names that Usher's associated with would jump to be on that stage with him, but she didn't. You get Alicia Keys. She's a big star on her own, but 
I would be interested to see how the demographics break down on that. And I'm not calling you old or whatever. No, but well, I, I, well, you don't have to call me old. I started off the conversation by saying, hey, I'm old. I'm I'm an older uh, person than you. I'm a different generation. But uh, it didn't resonate with me. I thought it was terrible. Terrible. Fair. You know what? And that's the beauty of the Super Bowl halftime performance. At least we're talking about whether we liked it or we didn't. And we're not talking about a stupid wardrobe malfunction or yep. something along those lines. All right. Uh, again, we really appreciate everybody's comments. All right. Let's switch gears, if you don't mind, yeah. and talk about the Kings. Uh, Shea Gilgos Alexander was the star of the game yesterday on both ends of the floor. And if you want to understand why Oklahoma City is first or second in the West and has been most of the year, it's because of him. Yeah, and they've built that team centrally around him and his talents and his skill set. And to to me yesterday, Grant, he put a he put a space in between him and De'Aaron Fox. No the question. Way that he bothered De'Aaron Fox with his length, and De'Aaron's a long guy himself, so that's not even really something to point out there. But De'Aaron, it it shows the pressure that's bugging the Kings when Kings pr- or when teams pressure yeah. the Kings. It just forces them to turn the ball over. It doesn't help that Oklahoma City does it the best out of anybody in the NBA. Well, I want to say this. If the Kings lose to Phoenix tomorrow, they're in they're in a lot of trouble heading into the break because they're going to lose the following night in Denver, and in my opinion, and they have now lost three of four. That would be losing five of six going into the break. So I think tomorrow is a huge game for a, a variety of reasons. First of all, Phoenix is right in your neighborhood. You're right there pretty much with the same record. Bingo. Th- that that's first and foremost. And the fact that you got Denver the next night on a back-to-back after you just spanked them, if you don't think that Michael Malone is going to have his nuggets ready to play and they're one of the best home court teams in the NBA, I don't see the Kings winning that game. I could see them getting embarrassed in that game. Tomorrow is a huge game. You could find yourself all the way in eighth or ninth heading into the All-Star break. If you're lucky. If you lose both of those games, depending on how things fall around you, I mean, yep. Phoenix won three of four. You look at the way Sabonis is playing, gets his 17th triple double yesterday. You would expect that he would have a dominant night. Phoenix is very bad on the glass, very bad defending the paint. Most of yep. their talents on the perimeter, as we know. Um, so really, this is this is a call to De'Aaron Fox. This is the time this team yep. needs him to step up in the last 11 games. He's been a negative 0.01, which is kind of astounding for him with how much he plays. But here's the bigger thing. He's only scoring 21 points yeah. per game. Way down. And you've got Davion Mitchell, who's playing amazing basketball. He was a plus 23 yesterday. He's yeah. giving not just it, – it's not making the shots. It's the way he's pushing the tempo at times. And he's giving Mike Brown something different. So De'Aaron has to show up in these next two games – to avoid what you just mentioned. Uh, right now, you're if you're a Kings fan, you will absolutely, without any ifs, ands, or buts about it, take a split in the next two games. Let's go. You're not even close. You're, you yeah. don't even have to think about it. You're taking a split in the next two games. No doubt. Uh, you know, you can write the thunder off. I thought the Kings competed. I have no problem with how the Kings competed at as a whole. Keegan Murray continues to be the biggest story to me, besides Sabonis of this season, taking a bigger step in his yep. second year than De'Aaron Fox did. Hands down. Keegan's doing it both ways. All right, so, so Phoenix, uh, I'm yeah. sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. So. Phoenix is fifth right now, okay? You're even in the loss column with them with 22 losses. So 
you know, you're, you're, the Kings are seventh in the West right now. If, and again, if they lose the next two games, they will go into the All-Star break with 24 losses. That would be if Dallas wins out before the All-Star break. That would put the Kings in eighth place going into the All-Star break. Okay? And let me tell you, anyone that is not familiar with how the NBA playoffs work, it's kind of maybe you, you forgot how they changed the system. One through six, you're guaranteed to be in the playoffs. Seven, eight, nine, ten, it's a play-in tournament. And don't look now, but the Golden State Warriors have turned things around. They've won four in a row and seven of ten. And this West is, you don't think every game is important? Huh. It could be the difference of two or three spots right now. You might as well, Kings fans, gear up in the Kings too, because the playoffs basically start tomorrow. And I'm not talking about like what you're going to do getting into a first round or winning a first round series. I'm talking about just even making the play-in. This is going to be a brutal stretch for this team, and they are going to have to get their best from everybody. But like I was trying to say a second ago, I think a lot of guys are playing good basketball right now. They just need to put it together as a whole. Here's what's disappointing about where the Kings are at right now. Okay, the the teams that they've lost to, like they've lost to Houston twice below them. They lost to Portland once. Okay, they've lost to Golden State, who's behind them twice. Okay, Charlotte, Charlotte. I'm going to go to the East now. All right, so they've lost to Detroit, the worst team in the league. They lost to Charlotte. Okay, I mean it's it's unbelievable the games that they have lost to the the bad teams and. Yeah, you're going to lose to a bad team every now and then. That's the NBA. But, boy, you look at those teams that they've just kind of, like, melted against. Because you're eight games over 500, well, which is really good, Ryan. But it's not good this year in the West because all the teams are playing well because they're relatively healthy. Exactly right, Grant. The teams have gotten better. They've stayed healthy. Phoenix, that's part of the reason they've won three or four right now. Yeah. Um, So the Kings absolutely have to be able to bring their A game the rest of the way because I look at it this way. We can look at the bad losses, but you could also make the same argument that the Kings have had some really good wins this year. They beat the Thunder twice. They have beat the Timberwolves. First loss at home for the Timberwolves. So just as bad as the losses are, the wins have been as good. All right, the Pelicans are in Memphis tonight, so you got to figure they're going to win. The Nuggets and the Bucks in Milwaukee, toss-up game. All right, the Mavericks are hosting the Wizards, so you got to figure they're going to win. Uh, the Warriors and the Jazz in Utah will be a good game. And then you have Minnesota at the Clippers, which is going to be a big game. So the standings are going to change tonight after the game. And then, of course, the Kings uh, and the Suns tomorrow. So we'll see. Uh, bad news on Sasha Vizankov. You know, he re-injured that ankle in practice, and he's going to be out quite a while. Another couple of weeks, yeah, at least is what they're looking at along with Chris Duarte. So that backup role, Grant, what's Mike Brown going to do? And maybe I pose this question to you. It seems like there's an awkward spot in that rotation that he doesn't know whether to fill it with a forward or a bigger guard. How do you see him filling it with Sasha? Better, better figure it out real quickly because you don't have a lot of time. You you don't have a lot of time to experiment right now. I I think more than anything, you need more consistent minutes from your starters. And that means – Harrison Barnes and that means Kevin Herter and you know your your starters to me now when you have your reserves that Duarte and you know Vizankov and let's first of all Sasha hasn't been playing a lot but he I think he was just starting to get back in the rotation after missing yes. those uh the stretch of games yep but I, I 
I'm going to look at your starters. I think Harrison Barnes has got to be more consistent, which is going to take some pressure off the bench at that position. No doubt. And the bench has been performing yep. awesome. Let, let's yep. not take anything away from them. They have been a Agreed. bright spot for this team. Agreed. Um, but yeah, Harrison actually had a very good stretch in the second quarter yesterday that kind of settled this team down. He got to the rim. Um, so I, you see Grant throughout the game when the Kings clearly draw up plays for Harrison, Keegan, I would like to see him do it more often. Yeah. I get you're not going to do a set play every play, but it's refreshing. Okay, so we can talk about all of these things, and there's some truth to everything that you're saying, and I think that I'm saying in, on our chat line. The Sacramento Kings' success, or lack thereof, depends on one player and one player only. And I hate to say this, but it's De'Aaron Fox. And you yeah. saw what happened in Denver against Denver the other night, and then you saw what happened yesterday, okay? And it's pretty much a repetitive pattern. When De'Aaron Fox plays at an A level, the Kings are right there to win almost all the games. Now, they don't win them all, but the point I'm trying to make is they, they, they're they there. When he does not, this team has little chance of winning, particularly against the better teams. So to me, we can talk about who's going to play off the bench and this and that. It comes down to number five. It comes down to your point guard. No doubt. No doubt. Look, I, I don't expect De'Aaron Fox to have 10 assists like he did against Denver. Right. But five assists against Oklahoma City is not going to cut it for this team because you just no. simply don't have enough guys that can get a good first step and distribute like De'Aaron can. All right. So tomorrow, pregame with uh, Ryan, uh, halftime, postgame as the Kings take on the Phoenix Suns. And then the very next night they're in Denver and then it's the all-star break. So, you know, the last time Sacramento played Phoenix, we know what happened. They were up 22 points with yep. eight minutes and 45 seconds left. And somehow, some way, they lost. So I, I don't know who's got more to, you know, be pissed off about right now. The, the fact that the Kings blew that lead or the fact that the Suns were that far behind and know they got lucky. I don't know what to expect tomorrow to you. I really don't. I don't. I, I don't at this point. I mean, usually, Grant, we can get a reading one way or the other. Or we get that feeling in our gut. I don't have one. I, I don't either. I just know they're either going to show up or it's going to be bad, and it's going to be closer to what you laid out at the start of the segment. All right. So uh, good stuff today on the show with Sean. Ryan, appreciate you. And to everyone else, don't forget tomorrow, uh, all the Kings programming right here. So make it a good rest of your Monday, and thanks for watching if you don't like that.